When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We all want to win the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. Playoff edition. It's over! They did it! They did it! Well, that's a reaction to the Stanley Cup championship. Last year feels a little bit bittersweet today. Hello and welcome. My name is Adrian Hernandez. This is the Mile High Hockey Lab. Um, I'm here today with Ezra Parter, Jacob Windling, Evan Lou, and Jake, Jackie K. Excuse me. We're going to talk Colorado Avalanche prior to their unfortunate elimination from the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, you know, it was for me just to kind of sum up my thoughts on everything. It was a it was a hard-fought season for a team that faced a lot of adversity in a very short offseason after quite a run. So, like I said, it's a little bittersweet today, but we figured we'd bring you guys some Avalanche coverage nonetheless because I, uh, if you're anything like me, you need to do some venting today. So thank you, thank the four of you for joining me today. I appreciate you all. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for as always. Thank yeah. you. Of course. So of as course. usual, folks, if you're listening or watching, please don't forget to subscribe, share, turn on your alerts on YouTube so you know every single time we are streaming live. All of these broadcasts are recorded and available the day after the show on Spotify, iTunes, and Audible. Uh, today we're just going to you know, recap a little bit of Game 6 and Game 7 since those are the two games that have happened since our last episode. We'll do a series and a season in review sort of segments We'll cover our live poll considering some unrestricted free agents in the future. And then I'll open it up to some conversation and we'll finish the show as we usually do with some bold hopes. But I guess this time there'll actually be bold predictions because I don't know if anybody's really hoping anything anymore. <laughs> Unless it's a spiteful hope. But <laughs> nonetheless, let's in, let's get into our thoughts on game six uh, and game seven of the first round uh, series lost to the Seattle Kraken. Um, I'll start with you, Evan. I like to start with you every time. So I feel like every year the abs get eliminated, you see a play uh, kind of like Lekkonen's offside play that brings back a goal or just heavily influences momentum in a negative way for the avalanche. Do you attribute that moment to a lack of attention or do you see that as a little bit of a mental burnout for a team that was stretched kind of thin? Uh, yeah, I think you could argue it as both probably. Okay. Um, I mean, when you're down two to one and you're looking for a game tying goal in game seven um, of a round, you're probably favored in. That's probably, it's probably in the back of your head if I had yeah. to guess. Um, so, you know, it's just unfortunate. It wasn't, it wasn't controversial like it was in 2019 with Landis Gog and, and his being on the blue line or not being yeah. on the blue line. Like it was pretty obviously offsides and, you know, pending the quick review that they did, you know, after seeing it on TV, you're just like, hmm, they did that in like 30 seconds. That's yeah, well, I actually spotted it live. Like what when it happened, I was kind of – I was legit saying, 
please don't score. Get it out of this. <laughs> oh, no. Re-enter because I saw it when it happened. Because what happened is you see Taves kind of check up a little bit. And sometimes from across the ice, uh, your perception is that he's already cleared the blue line. And that's why he checked up a little bit. So I understand why Lekkonen just jumped in. Because I think he thought he was already in and just kind of sitting in that spot that the Avs defenders love to sit in just beyond the blue line. And so, like, I could see how it happened. And I could see it happen in real time. And they scored. And my wife was like, I put my head in my hands. And my wife was like, why are you upset? They just scored. I was like, they're going to call it back. I'm literally Mm -hmm. saying out loud, like, please don't check the entry. Well, the fact fact is, too, is that that happened, what, like 20 seconds, like, like before the goal had happened. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, good good amount of time. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, then again, too, like, I forget who was carrying it in, but it got caught up in their skate and the Kraken skate too. So it kind of slowed it up a little bit before entering yeah. the zone. So that I think also Lekkonen was like, okay, it's going to be a clean rush in. Exactly. And, you know, so that also I think kind of hampered it. So props to the Kraken defense. And that's probably not the first time we're going to say that, you know, in this episode. Yeah, not, not today. Um, <laughs> Ezra, I want to send this one your way. Um, I felt like the, the big guys were pretty clearly heavily gassed um, in the later stages of game seven. For obvious reasons, they're playing a lot. But when a when a team's best players play that much and they seem to be so tired, does it hurt more than it helps if you're not getting results? Obviously. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I, I think I think no. I think it helps. I, I think it's those guys have to deliver, and they really did. They 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 ran out of gas at the end, but they also like they did score a game time goal. It just got called back. They couldn't get a bounce to save their lives all night. It was, it was, you know, it was a dominant performance from them for 40 minutes, 50 minutes maybe. And then, yeah, they were tired at the end, but they still, it looked like a power play out there even before they pulled the goalie for most of the third period. So I I mean, they definitely looked gassed, but it wasn't stopping them from still generating offense. It just wouldn't go in. It was so frustrating. Yeah, I, I go back to some of the saves, too, that Grubauer made. And, and me and Jacob jokingly had some conversation on Twitter about this, of, of how myself, I can only speak for myself, but I am eating a, a lot of crow right now on social mm-hmm. media for my opinions on Philip Grubauer. It's, I, I guess mm-hmm. according to the world. But, you know, I, I will say it seems like the abs get goalied um, – as Evan puts it in in frequent episodes, mm-hmm. at the worst times, and this was probably one of those instances. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, um, you know this is I, like I would call it hubris. Uh, all, yeah. You know, all of Colorado, every single person in this state down the stretch was saying, "No, you know, I don't want the team that's collapsing and hates their head coach and has been in free fall since January because they have a good goalie. Give me Philip Grubauer." <laughs> yeah. And you know, yeah, those were we, my exact words, pretty much. We we <laughs> got we got what we wanted, um, uh-huh. and and so I, it's hard to come up with any analysis, honestly, of yeah. other than Grubauer than just like you know, tip your cap to him. He like he stole this series. And yeah. also, you know, maybe next time we should all shut up and not be as uh, brash and boastful about that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the lesson that I'll learn the hard way this time around. Um, hey, hey, I said it too. I want, I wanted Grubauer too. I'm right, right in the mud yeah. with everybody else. <laughs> well, I will say that, um, and and I'll, I'll maybe save a little bit of this for our next segment. But I will say, Seattle did a really good job of of playing to his strengths, which any good team does for their goalie. So I don't think that that's like something that really takes away from Grubauer's performance. I will say, though, that like the the Kraken, we didn't give the Kraken's uh, attention to detail in terms of their checking. 
um, as much credit as I think we should have heading into the series. And I still think in reflecting that they're not quite getting as much credit for that checking presence as they maybe should. Um, a lot of, lot of good support uh, out there for the Kraken. Uh, Jackie, I felt like towards the end of the game, there was a moment that some fans are pointing to as a little bit of controversy um, where McCarr kind of made a move, skated it between two players and then towards another two got tripped up, hit the ice, and fans wanted a tripping call. Did you want a tripping call there, or what's your opinion or take on that play? Well, they didn't call the abs for a single penalty, so mm-hmm. I don't know. At that point, I think, I don't know. They would I mean, Seattle's power play didn't do that great either, so they probably would have killed any penalty that was called on them. But it was like the abs got their one power play goal, which was the one that – you know, everyone was saying, oh, they're, they're going to get one. They're owed one. Well, they got the one. So I don't yeah. know how likely it would have been that they would have scored another power play. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's not something I'm really hindsighting on. I feel okay. like if the officials swallow the whistles, I don't know that that really hurt the abs in this game. No, I don't, so yeah. for me, that's not something that I really even thought about yeah, during my- or after the game. Yeah, my take on it was like I think he was trying to make a play and and anytime anytime you skate the puck into that many defenders like and 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 in fairness it seemed like he kind of had possession but sort of didn't it was kind of in his skates. So I think and in that moment refs aren't going to make that call probably because then it'll be the next biggest controversial call and it's better just to make no call than than to guess I guess in that moment. So I agree. I wasn't as big of a thing for me as it seemed to be after the game. Um, especially from like the altitude crew and um, Riker in particular was, was very vocal in the moment um, that Makar was tripped or not tripped. Uh, Evan, what was your kind of takeaway from how Bednar seemed to handle game seven and how Bednar handled this series overall from your point of view? Uh, I mean, you, in all honesty, you can't really pin much on him with, with the amount of, suffering and like man games lost not just in the series but the entire season i mean Mm -hmm. what what he was able to achieve with this team was incredible and you know that's that's something that that should be praised something that should be accounted for he might he maybe should be in the jack adams conversation but you know he probably won't be but then again another boston coaches who hmm, maybe had a worse night than us but um (laughs) yeah but yeah i mean you know, I I I definitely um, admire his his passion and you know his kind of maturity, especially after that game seven loss. You know, proud of the guys and that you know Miko said it himself. It's the weirdest season he's ever had in yeah. hockey. Like Kale too. Kale said he yeah. doesn't think he'll ever experience a season like this. I hope he's right. <laughs> yeah, me too. Not knock on wood for that, but right. yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's just how it goes. So you know, you can't really pin much on bet on on Bednar. You know no matter if you want to or not. Yeah. If you would have told me two weeks ago that the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay lightning and the Colorado avalanche would have been eliminated already. I would have laughed at you, but that's the beauty of the Stanley cup playoffs and, and the, and the reality of consequence when it comes to not having the full unit on uh, your, in your lineup. So I think for the abs, I, I described it as them being a shadow of the championship team they were last year. And I think that's an accurate depiction of, of what we were working with. And based on that, for me, 
you know, I'm not I'm not in agreement with some of the fans who see this as kind of a, lo- a blown opportunity. Um, I just feel like it was we did the best with the Avs did the best with what they had and within uh, the constraints of the season. Ezra, what do you think of that? Well, I think to an extent that's true. I think they really didn't play well for the first half of this series. I think that's and true. You yeah. have to look at that as a missed opportunity because this this Kraken team was beatable. Um, they played really well. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from them. They're, they played really well. I, uh, I, I'm interested to see what happens next. But, um, but this this was a winnable series. Mm-hmm. They just came out and played like they did in games six and seven. In, in not yeah yeah game six two, but mostly game seven. Mm-hmm. In game one and two, uh, you know, Good so it, it's not really a lost season or anything. It's it's not a missed opportunity in that way. Like with everything going on, this was going to be a really tough repeat. Yeah. Um, and repeats in general are really tough. So, uh, you know, it, it just compounds on itself. Um, but, but it does, the fact that they went out on such a high note where they actually did play really well mm-hmm. makes me feel better. But Same. it also reminds me that they could have just played this well the whole series. You know, so. Bingo. Bingo. Uh oh. We lost oh. it. Well, <laughs> we love the I have something I can take you back off there while we yeah. wait for us yeah, to get back. Yeah. <laughs> I'll um, substitute host. Go. <laughs> That's true. Um, I think where the missed opportunity um, comes from is that just another year with this core, and I don't think it's going to last as forever as people say, oh, this core is locked up long term. Like, it's not. Miko has two more years left. Mm-hmm. Taze has one more year left. Like, it, and then if you think about it, Makar has four, which, you know, four is a fair amount of time, but I wouldn't exactly call that locked up long term either. So this core might have a finite window. And so I can see the frustration where some people think that the McKinnon contract was like their last really big opportunity, which I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I didn't think this was the year ever at like any point really to be the last hurrah, but um, it's just like the clock always does tick and you're not guaranteed chances forever. So even though it, to me, it looked clearly like they didn't really have it this year, but it's like you can't count on just having like 10 more chances either. Like every every year is precious, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's true. Cause I, and I think that that's what was so impactful about what Cogliano likely had to say ahead of um, the game six in Tampa last postseason was this isn't this doesn't happen as often as it feels like some of you guys are young and and you've been in the playoffs a lot, but getting this close is something that doesn't happen as that frequently. So I think that that there's a lot of truth to that, Jackie, like anytime you're in the playoffs and you don't make a good run, it's kind of a a blown opportunity. Um, I will say though, that uh, as we've alluded to already, you know, the injuries played a huge factor in this season, especially in the postseason. And, and, and you mentioned too, like who knows how big, how long the window is, especially considering we don't really know how Gabriel Landeskog is going to heal. We don't know how the Valeria Nachushkin situation is going to resolve. So some of the pieces that you considered your core that was locked up really aren't all that locked up in terms of their availability. Um, so it does kind of feel a little bit like a lost opportunity, but also kind of just like feels like it just like you said, wasn't our year from the get. And that 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 can be often in times the case. Uh, but Jacob, getting back to Landis, do you feel like against the Kraken someone like him in terms of his play style, like an elite net front presence that wins corner puck battles would have been especially effective inside a series matchup with the Kraken. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought that, you know, physicality was kind of the defining trait of the series. And if I had to point to to one thing that the Kraken did better than the Avs is they were they were more physical. You know, they and up until game six, they were winning more battles in, in the corner. They were winning more more net front battles. And I think that this was the type of series that they really, really missed Nachushkin and Landeskog because mm-hmm. the Seattle did a good job of clogging up the neutral zone and trying to, you know, limit the Avs skill players as, as much as they reasonably could. And that this is the type of series where you really need those, you know, hard-nosed sandpaper players to get in front of the the net and score some greasy goals. Yeah. And I, I think that was really the the defining feature of the series was not having those two guys. Yeah, I was explaining it to my my uh, family earlier today that like Landeskog isn't just a guy who won't get pushed around in front of the net. He's the kind of guy who clears shooting lanes. He frees up other players to make the play. He also just doesn't get pushed around and let other people inhabit that space defensively, which I think was huge for the Avalanche um, in this postseason. Jackie, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with that? Um, I mean, yeah, he's he's a good player, and he's, he can score too, which is the mm-hmm. other um, – him and Nichushkin are, are that physical presence that they needed. But, yeah, they, they're also – somebody that they really could have leaned on to score and um it is sad that they were quote-unquote healthy i guess or healthy for them to start the series and they dropped game one i think that's um you know they kind of lost it there from the beginning but and when they even still had nichushkin and cogliano and you know, you could argue like was Helm and Manson ever really that healthy, but they still had them too. So I, I kind of feel like they definitely were depleted to begin with and they were even more depleted by game seven, but like they had enough horses to start this series. So I think that's kind of getting overlooked a little bit in in saying that, you know, they were missing some of that, that presence, which they certainly were. So it's a lot of little things that go into it. Yeah, I could see that. I, I guess my thing is, it's just like it's Gabriel Landeskog. You know, like he's that's what he's known for, especially the physicality side of things. Um, even more so, like the in between the whistle stuff. I think not that it really affects the game too much, but I do think it it sends a message to your teammates um, whether whether or not people agree with the, that being effective or not is a whole nother uh, can of worms. But I think it does. Like when when he beat the brakes off of who was it for the the blues last year oh years? shen yeah when he luke, beat the yeah, brakes off of braid or luke shen or Bra- yeah. braden i think it was braden braden shen and, one of the shens <laughs> it, obviously it's not customary for guys to fight in the playoffs we didn't see a single fight this series but that sent a clear message to the rest of his team and the, the opposition that like hey you're gonna do this you're gonna do this one way and it's gonna be the legit way we're not gonna do this other stuff and i think some of that kind of got I don't know. I, I, I feel like that wasn't as prioritized and rightfully so, because they were just trying to score first, basically the entire series. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, you know, what to really take away from that in terms of physicality, like Jacob mentioned. But Evan, how do you think the Kraken will fare going forward in the playoffs? Oh, that's a good question, because I've just kind of put them as an afterthought at this point, because I'm just like, grr about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but naturally. You know, I, I think for the majority of the rest of the league, um, maybe not as fans, is that they're still like the sweethearts, like the, you know, they're still still the ones that can come in and kind of do anything. Yeah. Um, 
they're definitely going to give Dallas their best shot, and Dallas is definitely going to give them their best shot. Um, so, you know, I could see that series going either way. Um, and, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about yeah. that. Ezra, what about you? What do you think? Well, you know, the, the Kraken are my number two team. This is really tough for yeah, because you know, I, I want to be mad at them, but it's like how can you be mad at a baby, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So the baby yeah. just punched me in the face and yeah. laughed after. <laughs> the baby just punched his older brother. In the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't be doing that, but also it's cute, you know? yeah. <laughs> This is a tricky spot for me because I, I want to be more mad than I am. Okay. I, I'm obviously mad about the avalanche not going farther, but I'm not mad at the Kraken, if that makes sense. So for me, I'd love to see uh I'd love to see how they stack up with Dallas. I think if they can manage to beat uh, the avalanche and then the stars, that's a lot of wind in your sails, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not too big on the Oilers. I was wrong that I thought the Kings would beat them. I was wrong about that. I was wrong about a lot of things in the first round, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you and the rest of the world. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I'd be curious to see what the Kraken can do. I don't think that a lot, that it's very rare that a team that is, based around depth and not around stars wins a cup but the blues did it a couple years back unless we count ryan o'reilly as a star i guess but um and you know this kraken team is built like that team where they get contributions from everywhere the defense is solid and the goalie is kind of bad but good for stretches so um you know we'll we'll see what how it turns out i i think if they can beat dallas they can keep going but uh, it's hard I'd pick Dallas in that series for sure. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Jackie, what about you? What do you think? Well, Dallas is still our division rival, so you can't wish any good for them, right? I love like, it. I love it. Even sure. if Seattle yeah. is annoying at this point, it's like, yeah, go do the thing then because it's true. There really isn't that much animosity. They're not a rival. And in a way, doesn't it make you feel better if at least you're beat by somebody that accomplishes something (laughs) never know how i really feel about that like that's always the question like do you want the team that beats you to go on to win it all to is that some affirmation of your ability i've always wondered that's a good point i think it matters how much of a rival they are okay seattle's not a rival yeah so it's more like okay we'll go do the thing like it would it would be hilarious (laughs) if they're the first team to win the division that they don't belong to that hasn't happened Mm -hmm. yet Oh, that's a good point. That is a really good point. Yeah, it's hilarious. So that would be kind of funny, and so yeah, there's like no part of me that really wishes Dallas does well. So So you're you're rooting you're rooting for the Kraken. I I mean, yeah, okay. I think that's 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 a lifer's point of view. You know, that's a that's a you've been a fan for a while, so now you you like you see the big picture and not just what you just got hit in the face with. So that's pretty (laughs) cool, Uh, Jacob. What about you? What do you think? No, I mean, there's still 1990s baggage from the Dallas Stars, man. You know, they not, knocked the ass out of the, <laughs> the Comets too many times. I will never root for that team. Yeah. Um, nope. yeah. I hate Gary and Hatcher too, too much. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I'll root for everybody on Seattle except for Jordan Everly. I think that's that's where I'm yeah, at. Is that is that I can like I can get along for the ride because they are they are fun. You know, they're the, they're the Cinderella now, but you know. He, he broke Cagliano's neck. I uh, I don't have yeah. anything good to say about. We that never, right now. yeah, we never really touched on that. Um, and I, 
my thoughts on uh, on it are similar to Bednar's, which is that you're taught at a very young age that if you see numbers, you don't check the guy. And, and he definitely saw numbers uh, yeah. for a long, long, long time. He he cruised into him. Uh, and, and I don't think that there's really any arguing. There's really nothing he can tell me. I've seen every single angle and there's nothing you can really say about that yeah, other it's a, than it's a bad hit. It's a bad hit that resulted in a in a in a really, really dangerous injury. As I say, I, I'll, I'll be an example here. If you're like this and then you end up like that, that's terrible. Uh-uh. Go ahead, Johnny. Go ahead. I was going to say the biggest problem with it for me is that it's not like it was a missed call necessarily. It's that the NHL <laughs> thinks a hit like that is a two-minute penalty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, scary. there hasn't even been an explanation of, well, what would it have needed to be a major or a suspension right. and i i don't know i guess if it's late maybe that's the only thing they care about is- well i i think the problem that he is that he came back into the game because this is how the department of player safety and Which you know extreme ridiculous. quotation marks thinks is that yeah like because he came back therefore they don't have have to suspend i guarantee you if cogliano had missed that game and then they announced the next morning that he has a broken neck Everly is definitely suspended for, for game seven because that's just I don't how know because think. they never took the hit seriously to begin with. Like it wasn't like the Macar thing where, they didn't even call it a major review of what yeah. doing with I a guess. lot I, of hits this year. The, I just think he's a third liner. Like he does have a lot of respect around the league, but it's not that big of a deal. I think if it had been like Miko, that gets more attention and, and then me and then if he can't continue on, I think that definitely raises some red flags. But I just think they felt like it was appropriately punished and everybody was moving on anyway. The night before, uh, I don't remember the game. I don't remember the players, but there was a very similar hit. And I was in our like uh, uh, broader SB Nation uh, chat uh, talking like, how is that not considered boarding? And the, and the, the, uh, the whole broadcast crew was talking about it like, Oh yeah, that one looks like a clean hit. I hope he's okay. Blah, blah, blah. It's the exact same hit as the Cagliano hit, exactly right. the same. And the, then um, the broadcast crews for the Cagliano hit the night of that hit didn't talk about it. Like, just it wasn't even a thing. It was like, oh right. yeah, he got hurt. And then the next day, everybody was like, well, he, he should have been suspended for that one. And it's like yeah. the only difference is now you know he's injured. Exactly. And the broadcast crews are treating it that way. The NHL is treating it that way. And I I think that broadcast crews have to fix the way they talk about this so that the public will fix the way they think about it and force stops to make some changes because it all it's all connected it, it was i was really upset well it hit, hit the night before and then to see the same hit happen where somebody yeah. breaks their neck i mean come on that's it's honestly it's not it's like appalling because if you think about the the workings inside of the the medical staff too it's like they don't have the technology and and the access or the time to assess that sort of injury properly and so they're basically just going off of what cogliano is telling them which is a ultra competitive hockey player playing in likely one of the last postseasons of his career he's probably not gonna say yeah i can't go he's probably gonna say i can go and and the c5 vertebrae is no joke like you miss any anything involving the spine is not fun and nothing you should mess around with but you know now you got the avalanche catching heat from people saying how in the world do you let this guy go back in and play well it's because they didn't know he had a fractured vertebrae in his neck mm-hmm. and he and he wasn't going to communicate that to anybody because he doesn't know either he just knows he got hit illegally into the boards and he wants to go right back out there so it's yeah. really just a, a poorly set up situation by the league i even i even mentioned like and that this i hope this doesn't get taken as 
as whiny because I think this about all of the the plays that have happened that have been really wishy-washy suspensions. Like, when does the NHLPA have the ability to sue um, NHL player safety? Because there's a lack of consistency, and here's a direct example of, like, you put in quotations as player safety. Well, what is safe about a guy who broke his vertebrae when the same play happened uh, two nights before that and nothing happened as a result of it? So... I got mm-hmm. fired up, man, on Twitter. I had to, I had to turn all of it off because I was just so, so frustrated with just the obvious um, imbalance in reaction to the. For way. me, that's the key, though, because yeah. I think the players have to care. Like the fans yeah. can care all they want, or the media, and they complain about it. They hate the inconsistency. I hate seeing hits like that. Mm-hmm. I hate the whole. Oh, it's the playoffs, and you expect to see like borderline assault. It's just. <laughs> It's terrible, that was but blatant. The, but the players have to be the ones that care. And I don't think I they do. I don't yeah. think they want to be policed. Nine times out of ten, a guy leaves and goes to the room, he comes back. It it doesn't seem to be a problem. Or nine times out of ten, it's a really ugly hit and he pops up and and everyone goes on with their life. Like I don't think the players want to be scrutinized that closely mm-hmm. because it's not just as we've seen. It's not just our guys getting hit. It's how are our guys getting scrutinized and yeah, on and on and and I'm all for consistency and I don't like head contact at all. I think I don't care if it's incidental or not. I think that start with that and make it a penalty and see what kind of change we can make. But until the players really stand on the soapbox and get their new PA head to really take a stand like they're not even talking about it right like, they That's just care about escrow yeah, <laughs> they yeah. don't even talk, care about the, these inconsistencies so it's like why are we making this big issue of it if they're not going to be the ones that care about it they're not allowed to they, they get a hefty fine if they speak exactly. out against the refs so but i mean it, internally like i'm not saying oh yeah oh, yeah. yeah like in complain in, after the game but i'm yeah. saying the pa is yeah go to your pa that's that's kind of my <laughs> point maybe maybe putting it as like when do they sue them is the wrong way to put it but i guess it's like when does that get to the table for the players association where it's like hey we have a governing body in inside of the nhl that's doing wildly inconsistent rulings and honestly making players vulnerable <clears throat> to future ramifications because like in the instance of Eberly, there might be some guys who feel like there's still some things on the table that need to be settled you know and in the in the long scheme of things if you punish correctly and consistently the fuel to um retribution and redemption and you know actually hurting somebody out of passion and revenge it gets dampened it doesn't actually happen so it's like the the way that this this entity is supposed to work and it's functioning it it doesn't actually fulfill that function currently so i think there's a lot to be looked at um in terms of that and i was i was just like you guys i i really felt um that it was not a good look for the entire league just based on how that situation was handled but uh, you know moving on a lot of fans were just in general bittersweet um had a bittersweet reaction to this season ending a lot of them said kind of like well at least it's over because holy moly, this was just a train wreck and a, and an up and down sort of thing. Do you guys share that sentiment? I'll start with you, Evan. Yeah, I mean, go look at the like ten plus tweets that I sent last night on my <laughs> hockey after the loss ended. I mean, I was trying to be as rational as I could, and I mean, when you look at it, like over five hundred games man lost, five hundred man 
gate man game. Some it's one of those hard. One of those ones. <laughs> uh, combined between the regular season and the postseason, and you know nobody saw Nachushkin having to step away from the team, and yeah, you know, like it. It is what it is, honestly, at this point. And you know, like, like I've said, and like most every, like a lot of other people have said, like, yeah, like I'm, yeah, it still hurts to lose in the playoffs. It still hurts. I woke up this morning and I was like, yeah, you know, you you get that you get that draining feeling, right? But you know, it it will help it will help the ABS prepare then for next season, of course, and you know maybe try and set them set some things straight off the ice, maybe get some more clarification whenever. Whenever they have their their final press conference of the year, maybe in the next few days, um, and you know, just get rested and get sorted then for the off season with whatever moves come along and resting up um, for October. Yeah, I, I liken the um, the days following a, a playoff loss to the days following a breakup, where you see all the pictures and the hair tie on the bedside table, and it just reminds you of what you had and what you don't have anymore. It's it's definitely time time times like these that make last year's cup um even you know a little bit more sweeter um you mentioned a little bit about kind of some of the topics heading into the off season and i'll use that as a segue into our live poll of the week and if you don't already please head on over to twitter and follow us there we are uh we can be followed at at mhh underscore lab and the whole mile high hockey site is at mile high hockey Uh, this week's live poll I wanted to focus on some of the unrestricted free agents, excuse me, that the avalanche will have to deal with this off season. And I gave three options, but there, I think are like five or six considering um, veterans, Uh, maybe even seven actually. But I started with JT Comfort, Evan Rodriguez, Lars Eller. And the question is which unrestricted free agent do the Avs prioritize this off season? Ezra, I'll start with you. What's your answer to the bull and why? Um, hmm. Well, uh, I kind of see all those guys as probably gone. Uh, okay. Evan Rodriguez seems the most retainable to me. Um, I just think with the season comp for had, he probably priced himself out. He's not, he's going to get paid like a 2C somewhere else. And mm-hmm. the, the Avalanche need to focus on finding the answer at 2C because, uh, it, it proved in the playoffs not to be him. Somebody who, who can elevate that line regardless of the wingers on it yeah. is, is, is the is the thing that I think they need to focus on. Even if, honestly, it could be a winger. It doesn't have to be center. But somebody who can be like the anchor of the second line uh, or a third line. I don't know. I yeah. guess I'm talking in circles here. But my, <laughs> I know what you mean, though. I know what you my mean. My point cause... is like – yeah, you basically have, need to fill two holes now because you don't see Comfort coming back as a three C. Right. Yeah. yeah, I don't see him coming back as a three C. I see Newhook as a middle six center. I see uh, a hole at middle six center that they need mm-hmm. to fill, and I don't think that Comfort or uh, Rodriguez are the guy that you know change things going forward. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not that. <laughs> I don't think that, that most of the UFAs are coming back. It's I agree. Back. Yeah, when I look at the ages and I look at just the situation, it feels like a lot of them are going to be on their way out. Um, you mentioned that Evan Rodriguez is probably the most likely retain. Uh, Jackie, is is that your opinion too? And what was your answer to the poll and why? Um, well, I was thinking of the word priority. I think he used that word. Yeah. Um, because I think Eller is going to be the easiest to retain. I just think 
they've already set that precedent where if they're spending a second round pick on a guy, they probably want him to stick around. And like, what options are is Eller really going to have? You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he just doesn't score whatsoever. Like he's he's going to have to get priced in the category of depth guy that you don't expect a single point from. So that's not going to cost that much. So I think, I don't know. I just feel like there's kind of an understanding when you spend that much to trade for a guy, probably going to bring him back. And yeah, and he's probably not going to cost that much. So I feel like he's kind of the easiest, but um, you know, Rodriguez, I could, I could see as somebody that isn't going to cost as much as Comfort. Like he's, he didn't beat his career highs or anything like that. So he was looking for that like four by four and he didn't get it. You know, I don't even know if, if the Avs have to pay that to bring him back. So it, it might be that or even a little bit less. So I think that's more likely. I mean, I think ideally they'd want to move on from all of them, but how are they even going to find anybody better and cheaper? And that's the problem. Yeah. So I think if they're saying goodbye to Comfort, I think they will definitely try to bring back Rodriguez. Yeah, and I like what you had to say about Eller because I felt like, as Ezra mentioned too, his being promoted to the second line center in the play this playoff series says a lot about where JT Comfort was really at in terms of that. And I do think that Lars Eller offers some value in that three C role that we talked about, kind of being vacant in the event that JT leaves. Obviously, maybe not as much of a scoring touch, um, but still that. Uh, forechecking presence that you kind of want and that pesky kind of guy that you want getting the puck up the ice. Um, I will I will say, though, that Rodriguez, to me, I, I love the guy. <clears throat> I, I just felt like we saw some of the things in his game that um, have – that just don't really fit the Colorado Avalanche here in the playoffs, which is that he seems to, he seems to lose the puck quite a bit um, just in those p- small puck battles. Jacob, what was your answer to the, to the poll, and what do you think of my thoughts on Rodriguez? Uh, I generally agree with the, the thoughts on Rodriguez. I, I went with Eller. Um, you know, Rodriguez, he really comes down to price. Um, you know, if he mm-hmm. wants to come back at the same $2 million a year that, you know, he had this year, then, yeah, heck, yeah, come on down. Come on down. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> you know, if he wants to yeah, if, you know, if he wants, he he's earned a, a larger deal than that, and I think that like one of the issues that the Avs have going forward is is term. Is they have you know all of their core stars are signed for a really long time, and they need to generate some flexibility around mm-hmm. that those core, those core pieces. And so I think that that that's what would make Eller attractive is that you know at most he gets three years. I would think, and I'd be even surprised if you know if he got that. And so I think that those are the the type of, of depth pieces that you know the cheap. Uh, depth pieces that, that they need to start assembling because you know priority number one now is to find a, a legit second line center or like Ezra said you know a, a key guy on the second line that can carry it you know pretty much regardless of who he's paired with and those guys don't come cheap and mm-hmm. you know Comfer's not that guy Rodriguez is, isn't that guy that guy is probably playing you know somewhere somewhere else this year and so if you re-sign Eller, you can kind of fix 3C and then keep, you know, free up yourself uh, enough money to, to try to pick, you know, figure out the second line issue. Yeah, that makes sense too. Because if you think about it, with all these veterans leaving on unrestricted free agent status, you should see some money free up um, at least a little bit. Um, hopefully, if we got JT Comfort, Evan Rodriguez, Lars Eller, Darren Helm. Andrew Cogliano, Matt Nieto, Jack, and Eric Johnson all on mm-hmm. expiring UFA contracts. So like just, $12 million. yeah, that's just on yeah. volume. That's still and, at least a good chunk of money. 
And if they stick Landeskog on long-term IR, it's roughly about $20 million in cap room that they'll have going in, into next year. Right, which is a little more ideal than the situation was in, I feel like, in the free agent window and then the trade deadline window last year. So mm-hmm. hopefully they'll they'll have the ability to weaponize that money in a way that they can build because they've already kind of hinted towards that. Bednar, even in the right after the game, was like, hopefully we have the same core – Hopefully we can get the right guys around them, which I think was kind of a tell was him saying this Uh team is probably going to look a lot different next year. Um, Evan, what does that different look like to you um, if the Avs want to be a threat? Like what needs to change for the Avalanche? And by threat, I mean back to Stanley Cup contention. Yeah, that's a that's a loaded question, uh, because I I feel like you could point at a few things. Uh, I mean, I think that the depth is kind of the big part there. Um, and, you know, I looking at, at that list of UFAs, I think I think maybe one yeah. max two are going to stay. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I don't think like hell. I think Helm Cogliano and both Johnsons are probably retiring. I mean, you saw Eric Johnson's comments last night and, you know, his eyes are red, emotional. You know, I think that kind of. I think that that picture kind of speaks for itself, which is sad to say. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodriguez, I agree. Like he started off fine, but he kind of just teetered off from there. Um, Confers outpriced himself. I think it would be one of Eller or Nieto that would come back, and I think that that would kind of be it. So then, otherwise, then it would be, you know, finding somebody, um, you know, in that on that second line who can elevate it, um, and you know, maybe like a third line replacement if they if they somehow find a way to to bring somebody up from the Eagles and promote them full time, maybe like a Maltsev who did who's done really well recently as of late. Um I was at the Eagles game on Thursday, scored the game winning goal, like I think four, cool. three minutes left. Um so good on him. I think he's had a really good playoffs too. I think Jack Jackie would know the answer more so to that one, but Oh I'll um, get it. I'm, we're not <laughs> ending this podcast before me without me talking about the development. <laughs> great. <laughs> like, great. Great. <laughs> then I'll I'll save my comments for, for you then, Jackie. Because I, I I don't know. If they could find a way to promote one of Myers or Maltsev, you know, up to the abs full time, maybe that will do something. But that depends a lot on the farm system. Yeah, I think Myers will probably get his his day. Um, I do think it's a tough go for that kid who just looked like had an instinctful reaction to a puck in the air and just punched it right into the net over his own goalie. And you could see him immediately look to the sky like, damn it, that's going to be one of those ones for the rest of my life that I dream about and have nightmares in a cold sweat too. But you mentioned uh, the Johnson & Johnson retiring um, as well as Darren Helm and Andrew Cogliano. I think Cogs is probably a safe bet right now. Um, Ezra, what do you think of those guys? Do you think uh, you agree with Evan that most of them will probably retire? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we saw with Helm that his health is just not he, – he can't keep yeah. playing, I don't think. And and Cogliano, I mean, that, that guy, he's not going to give it up easily. He's going yeah. to try to get back from – What a warrior. Also yeah, – um, Dude, you broke your neck. Maybe call it a day. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Worry about John, your health off ice first, yeah. please. But exactly. Yeah. And, and EJ, I mean, man, love the guy. I don't want to trash the guy. It's not fair. But he can't skate anymore. Yeah. He can't do it. He needs to retire. It's time. Um, Jack Johnson, honestly, I could see him going another year. He, okay. he, he He's played better this year than last year. I, I think he's got <laughs> – 
he's got another year or two in the tank maybe um but uh but yeah i i would like to see the team move on from helm cogliano and eric johnson regardless probably jack johnson too but uh and pull the same thing as last year if they want him back but um but uh uh i i want to circle back to eller real quick because i okay. see like eller if he is a replacement for helm cogliano not an addition to those guys great but we can't have a 35 year old fourth line yeah. you know it just it's mm-hmm. not gonna work mm-hmm. um so yeah that's my thoughts on that that makes sense to me i, I think like that might have been what backfired on the Avs this year was that they doubled down on some of those pieces, the veteran pieces that did probably technically get them over the hump last year. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, but that like, guys, I don't want to diminish their. Yeah, but I think you're right in saying that. Like, it's just it was one year too late um, for a lot yeah. of those guys, and and it was it was a it was a fair. Um, like a, a smart bet, you know, to bet on uh, the group, especially when that um Cogliano fourth line with Helm was really cooking in the playoffs and in the postseason like that was one of the best fourth lines the Avalanche have ever had in terms of uh defensive efficiency so I felt like that was that that's definitely something to mention uh, Jackie one of the things that I'm I'm kind of concerned about we talked a little bit about the UFAs and some of the cash that might get freed up from these guys retiring and leaving um, but there are a couple RFAs that are going to need some tending to technically a few, but two that I think are really important, which are Bowen Byram and Alex Newhook. Um, tell me, how do you foresee those negotiations going? And um, what kind of numbers are we looking at in your in your estimation? Well, with Byram, I tell everybody to prepare for that contract to potentially be the one that takes the longest. I'm talking like September. Okay. And I mean, it would be fantastic if he signed quickly. I, I think that number would give them a lot of cost certainty, but it just doesn't work like that for top end RFAs. Yeah. You see those guys going into September. I just hope to God he doesn't hold out like Nico mm-hmm. held out. You know, you look at like Jason Robertson, missed part of camp, like it just happens and it sucks and I hate it, but I'm just telling people be prepared for it. Cause that's not going to be an easy contract to sign. And, um, and it's going to be a big one for the team. So, um, mm-hmm. I've been looking it up and I am going to write a piece about it because I think okay. it is important to talk about um, just what the options are. I think even if they do a bridge deal on him, we're still looking at four to $5 million. His comparables are in that range. And I know people say, well, he hasn't played a lot. Well, when those, his comparables signed their contracts, they didn't exactly have the longest resumes either. You know, I'm talking about like yeah. McAvoy who burned the first year of his deal, you know, and then Byram has a lot of things that those guys don't. He has 10 goals in half a season. He mm-hmm. has a huge role in the Stanley Cup finals, you know, on and on and on. So there's a lot of talking points for his agent yeah. when it comes to that deal. So that's my thoughts on him. Um, like long-term, it would probably be like seven, eight-ish. And I, I think the Avs would be better off signing that. I just don't know if they even can right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as new hook, I think he's like two to three million. Um, I guess the speed on that depends if the Avs think he's trade bait or not. I kind of don't think so, but if they want an upgrade, like even to replace the guys that we're going to lose, much less an upgrade, much less a real second liner, are you going to do be able to do that without using him? Like they only have about three trade chips. Yeah. So what are we talking about here? But, um, 
if they do sign, like I said, about two to three million, probably on like a two-year deal, which I think is fair. Um, and again, he's an RFA. Sometimes those take a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the others, like a lot of their, not prospects, like minor leaguers have uh, arbitration rights, which in a way is good because it speeds up the process. Gotcha. I think it's ridiculous somebody that's played like 10 games in the NHL has arbitration rights just because <laughs> yeah. of their age. Yeah. And guys like Byram and Newhook don't, don't even though they've yeah. been full-time NHLers, but just because they signed ELCs when they were 19 or 19, 20, I yeah. think it's ridiculous. But <laughs> What do you think of the Dennis Morgan situation? Because it's a um, little bit different. That one reminds me a lot of Obi Cabell from last year. Like yeah. he had arbitration rights and that was one of the reasons why the outs didn't qualify. I think that was a mistake. I think they needed what he could provide for a million dollars. And I think they finally got that with Mulgan. So are they going to learn from their mistake? Or are they going to look at it the same way and say, we can't risk this guy taking us to arbitration. So maybe if they can get him signed before that happens, because they're going to need to sign somebody. So, um, you know, for him, you hope you can get him around a million. Like the abs just can't pay for more than that. So um, I guess we'll just see what he wants, if he really wants to come back or not. Yeah. And if, if like Jackie says, uh, Jacob, if, if Byram comes back long-term and at that 7 million to, or six to 7 million area, um, what do you think that means to the balance of the rest of the lineup? Like, are we going to sacrifice some depth because we got quite a lot of, quite a bit of money tied up um, at that point with not so many players. Uh, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's two, as far as roster construction goes there, you know, there's two big questions in, in the way and it's, it's Landeskog and, and Nichushkin, you know, is Landeskog going to play at all next year? If not stick them on long-term IR. And now all of a sudden you free up a significant amount, amount of money, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Nichushkin, do you expect him to, uh, to play next year? If so, then, you know, maybe you can splurge on a second line center. If not, then maybe you do have to use that money to start, you know, sign a bunch of Evan Rodriguez types at 2 million, 3 million for, for one year and try to piece to get, you know, cobble together a middle six. Um, you know, one of the, the wish, the big wish list on, on every abs, you know, abs fan bucket list is, is Sidney Crosby, right? Like that's, <laughs> there's the, the Nathan McKinnon connection. Mm-hmm. They have kind of alluded to it in the past saying, Hey, wouldn't it be neat to play, play together. And like right now it does kind of feel like the time to pull the trigger. If you are ever going to do that, you know, Pittsburgh is, is kind of fading. Maybe they, they want to blow it up. The abs need, need a little extra juice. And so, you know, they, if they did that, they would, it would be tough to, you know, patch up the rest of the roster. They would really have to, you know, nail a bunch of Dennis Mulligan types on, on minimum contracts. And so yeah. I, I think it's, it's hard to try to chart a path forward for the abs until we have any idea of, of what, you know, Landis Goggin and Nichushkin situ- situations are, because that that's going to depend on what type of players, you know, that they ultimately go out and get. Yeah, that's a good point. And I got to commend you for your work on the Nachushkin story that you did for the Mile High Hockey website because you did a wonderfully a wonderfully professional job of doing so. So thank you for filling me in as a fellow fan and doing it uh, doing it with some, um, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. Uh, some grace. class. Some grace. Uh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I talked to you. I do want to comment on Crosby's because, yeah. I mean, that would be – I mean, I think it kind of became a joke in like the last year, but I, I mean, it could be. 
It could be. You never That's know. What dreams it, are made of, baby. Yeah. I think Nathan McKinnon has more chance of being a penguin than Crosby has of being an avalanche. <laughs> but that, but yeah, that's the I other thing too, is that like it could. That's go a the hot other take, way. right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, like, is Pittsburgh really going to trade Sidney Crosby? Real, like, realistically, we have like this dream. If it's ever going to be fulfilled, it's at the end of Crosby's contract, which I think is two more years. This is exactly. when some old but, man in Edmonton says, "Well, they traded Gretzky." Uh, so. true. <laughs> I will say that would be like the story of of the season, at least until they won or lost it all. Right? It would be, be. McKinnon oh, and, yeah. and Crosby. They have to be on the same line. It would. Hey, it would be really cool. But hockey reality is just yeah. is distorted now because Toronto yeah. won a series. So, yeah. what is yeah. reality? Somebody, <laughs> what's that? What's that? that like quantum physics place that everybody has the uh, Mandela effect theory. We've officially gone into another timeline because the Matrix. Toronto Maple Leafs have, have won a series. The Bruins have lost in the first round and I don't know. There's, there's a lot going on. Um, now's a good enough time though. I think to open it up to everybody and, and I'll just put this out there to start. Um, what do you think of just the playoff madness so far? Is it, is is this how you like the playoffs to go, or would you rather see like the the tank teams make it through? Hmm. I, I mean, it's crazy. I like go eliminations. Ahead. Like everyone cheers for every single series to go to Game Seven, and I'm the opposite. I'm just like some teams <laughs> need to be put out of their misery. Yeah. Like we don't need to see seven games of every single series, or every team doesn't need that many chances. And I know saying this, this is like peak irony but <laughs> um, say, there, there's florida yeah but moving on we don't need every get every series in the second round going that deep like just get on with it like the better teams are going to rise to the top and yeah it just it doesn't make the sport seem very random like teams losing at home all the time series going back and forth and it just it does. It, it makes you feel like there isn't a dominant team, which is good. Like I do like parity, but it also just makes a lot of it feel meaningless too. Where it's just like spin yeah. the wheel and figure out who's going to win the cup. So I don't know. That's Imagine being a Bruin right fan and, and thinking uh-huh. of how meaningless it all feels. <laughs> I think we got a taste of that uh-huh. when we won our own President's Trophy and then got bounced uh-huh. by the Golden Knights. But ugh, that that has to be. Sour grapes over there. Say, think we had a bad night? Go talk to somebody in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have all, all my friends out. <laughs> all my, none of my friends out there slept last night. They were all oh, all man. just like, yeah. <laughs> well, at I least look- we got we got the Nuggets to root for now. So yeah, they true. they moved Lord Stanley out so that uh, Larry O'Brien could move into that <laughs> presidential suite at Ball Arena. I'll, I'll admit I don't follow basketball all that much, but maybe I just might have to. Uh, yeah. But I, I do want to go back and actually touch on something because that Jackie brought up because we didn't we didn't touch on it at all. The Avs losing three of four at home was was also a huge killer. Ouch! In the series, mm-hmm. and you know when you only come out and perform for you know a half game in this in game two in in front of your fans, that's not great. And then going in into game seven, you know down. Trying or not down, but you know, trying to win in a, in a last resort game, you know. But I mean, you're not wrong. They played from behind in every single one of them, too. Exactly. So it's like, and, and, and that's I wonder actually, how often that's has that ever happened where a team has scored in, in time. But has did that series go to seven games? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh my it was goodness. Toronto. Hopefully they didn't just hand us the cursed God, baton. I was going to say, did we just join Toronto? <laughs> pass off the, no, no. the baton. Abe Kubel drops the cup, Toronto. and now it's us for 70 more God. years. We haven't talked about that enough. We never had a chance to repeat. Yeah, Abe Kubel <laughs> broke yeah. the cup. Damn it, Nicholas. <laughs> we definitely should have brought him back, Jackie. What we had to punish him. <laughs> he just oh, broke man. the cup and rolled out. That's that's funny. <laughs> um yeah, I, I um I think it's funny too. I'm getting a ton of as as it should be, like it's called sports hate, and I don't I don't mind it. Like I get a lot of a lot of Seattle fans that come at me after uh the avalanche losing. And to be honest with you, I just love it because I think it it just shows, you know how entrenched they are into their own fandom at the current point. I will say though, that you kind of new kid on the block. So until you've been around a few times, maybe keep the receipts to yourself because um, <laughs> it's all fun and games until you're in the screenshot. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, I will, I will say though that I will give props to, to Seattle. Like this win is obviously huge for not only the organization, but the city, like still trying the to league, grow. It's, it's hockey, the league, exactly. And especially to our friends over at Davy Jones's locker room, um, their their site now is going crazy. Which I, is an excellently named website, by the exactly, way. Exactly, yeah. And so, like, I, I've, I've talked to the managing editor there. He's he's awesome. He's a great guy. Um, so props to him and, you know, his team. And that's really – this This is really going to help them. So, yeah, um, you know, that's, that's nice on their part. And if I also remember – Ezra, didn't you say if the ads lose, you're starting a cracking blog? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I did. Oh, you better sorry. reach out to that managing <laughs> editor. I got to talk to You know, I think my my like confidence in the team pre, pre-game one of this series uh, was, was valid and good. And I think it was we all founded, felt the yeah. same way. But then as soon as Nutrition was off the table, it's like, all right, Whoa. what do we even have left? So... I, I think all promises made pre Nichushkin should be uh, <laughs> rescinded. <laughs> Take it back. All bets don't count. BNA before Nichushkin's absence. Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry, Evan. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, like, no one, no one probably could have seen that one coming. And, no. yeah. you know, it's just something that is unfortunate. And, yeah, I think we said it last week too. Is that we obviously just hope for the best, of course, with all the new details that came out about it. So, yeah. mm-hmm. is what it is at this point. Nothing, we, yeah. nothing we or anybody else can really do about it. No. Nope. On it, really quick. Uh, on the DNVR podcast after the game uh, mm-hmm. last night, they were talking about some some commenter asked like how the Az would handle no longer have like the end of Landeskog and Nachushkin's careers, and uh, AJ was like. Nutrition will be back, you know. And it's it made me think like, oh, he knows something that yeah. he can't say yet. Um, seems like it. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like it feels like there's two. There's, we'll see. Th- yeah, it feels like there's two bodies of people who have access to the same information. One that's not sharing all of it, but some of it, most of it, and another that's sharing none of it. Which right. I, I don't know. I think the NVR is kind of falling in the none of it side, which I think is respectful because they took a stance early and they've stuck to it, and that's fine. Yeah. Um. I will say with that situation, man, transparency is pretty important though when when it comes to these times because you see how big of a distraction it becomes to to the rest of the team when the question coming into the in the game seven and game six, it, it, some of them aren't even about the game, you know, and and that's 
that's never what you want he- mm-hmm. in the postseason, no matter mm-hmm. no matter the circumstances. And like Evan alluded to, we wish we wish everyone involved nothing but the best. But from a sports point of view, that's not something you you ne- you really want to deal with in the postseason. So hopefully that settles. I I agree though. Like I think I think Nichushkin will be back. I think yeah. the fact that we haven't been told a lot probably has to do with when he comes back. Right. Um, and hopefully we'll and, get more with that final press conference that yeah. they'll have here. There will not be one. <laughs> oh, there won't be one. <laughs> you think you don't think they're going to have one at all, or they've, they already announced? Just, even... They haven't had one in ten in the ten years that I've been following it closely. So really, wow. okay. Yeah. Well, they they run and hide, and I don't know how they were allowed to get away with it. I yeah. every other team in sports, like the Colorado Rockies, have an season ending press conference even though they're completely irrelevant and <laughs> nobody wants to hear what they have to say but they still do it and they have, have a, am, they have I an end of season interview that. after paying another team to take their best well, player ever yeah well their yeah, their end of season interview is oh no we suck again yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and but even, please if, come back if even that team has a shred of accountability well i can't yeah. Right. And then the abs don't. Yeah. Well, it's... then maybe I lied. Maybe it won't be. Neither won't be one. Then. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Wow. Like, even if there's some kind of, well, I know there won't be a press conference, but even if there's some kind of like final comment from, report, from, yeah, from there's both, nothing. From the, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, it won't be about Nachushkin. He. That's that's going to be a yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. Especially especially since you know the Seattle police say there's no criminal investigation there, and so like that would be the pressure point to for them to say something say if there, something. there was some sort yeah. of you know cr- criminal investigation. So as long as there's no criminal investigation, I don't think we're going to hear a word about him. Until I just can't wait if for that book about this to come out. Yeah, what? yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, you real. know, there's going to be a Russian story Expose. that one person yeah. that mm-hmm. one person translates and puts it on Twitter, and then like fifty thousand people take whatever that one translation is whether it's right or correct or not, yeah. or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the story for the rest of the summer about what happened um, with him and i'm just waiting for that one to happen because it's going to well that's a good segue into our final segment <laughs> of the show predictions it is officially bold Let's predictions um and so i'll make the first bold prediction based on what we just talked about the abs will have an end of season pre- press conference <laughs> in the history of the franchise. So that's my bold prediction. Maybe it'll come true. Um, I'll just, for the recap of last week, give us one big um, wrong buzzer. Mm. I will say, though, Jackie was right, but it got called back. Son of a uh, gun. In my heart, it's still a goal. Me too. So. I agree. I should have uh, kept my Eric Johnson pick. Yeah. I know. Oh, well. yeah. I I think you get half credit for that because you're the first one to really throw that out there, and I it agree. Did finally, actually happened. Yeah, we'll give Just you did it a week early. We'll give you a a, a man made ding ding. There you go. That's <laughs> what you get for that one. Um, so my bold prediction is that we'll get a an actual press conference to end the year end the year this end this season. Um, Evan, what's your bold prediction this week? Doesn't uh, have to involve the Avs anymore. Well, I mean, it didn't ever. Yeah, really, I, I was about to ask if it involves the Avs or if it's about this week alone. Because I have, I have one for the off season, but we can save that one for an off season podcast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Don't but <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll go. I'll go with this one. Florida takes one of two in Tampa, or not in Tampa, in Toronto. In Toronto, of the, of the first two. Yeah, they take one of the first two. Florida, one of first two. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I will like the Sirius satellite. I think it was uh, Scott Laughlin, maybe was just roasting, absolutely roasting Kachuk four days ago about you know how he's not he's got all the off or all the in between the whistle stuff, but none of what really counts. And then, whoops, uh, here we are today, and Matthew Kachuk's kind of like the toast of the town. Um, <laughs> But that's just – I think it's funny whenever that happens because I've always liked Kachuk. I do think, like, he's one of those dudes where you love him if he's on your team and you hate him if he's mm-hmm. not. And, and those are usually my favorite players. So I think <laughs> if he was an avalanche, he would probably be my favorite oh, yeah. player. <laughs> um, Ezra, what's your bold prediction? Uh, I'm going to say the Rangers dominate the Devils tonight. It's not Ooh. close. And then Ooh, they wow. don't lose another game this week. Whew. Wow. Ooh. I'm back in my, my lone remaining <laughs> cup contender from my bracket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bracket can't be busted this Oh, my, back, my bracket's so oh, I'm busted. Toast. I'm toast, yeah. <laughs> Same. I had abs and Bruins in the final, so how's that going for me? Um, I had Rangers winning over the abs. So I, I, did, I was just going to say, I did have the Devils beating the Rangers, and I did have um, well, I also had the Kings beating the Oilers, so that one that one kind of blew up in my face as well. Uh, Jackie, what's your bold prediction this week? Um, let's see. That Toronto and Edmonton meet in the Cup, and then we can all turn it off and ignore <laughs> the entirety of the Canadian media and their fans and Twitter uh, and just move on with their life. Just mute. Oh, yeah, mute. Just mute it all. Let them attack each other. <laughs> Let the world explode. Oh man! I will say we, though, those games would be so fun to watch. Oh man, yeah. Like it the media part train. of it will suck, but the mm-hmm. the games. Oh man, that'd be fun. We've already transcended into chaos. That yeah. that would be full chaos. Canada yeah. would blow up. So oh, I, I hate to be I hate to be the guy that I always talk crap about, but I'm going to talk about the Leafs right now on as as podcast. Do you think similarly to the Avs that that victory kind of is a monkey off their back like the Avs won the second round and I think well, they didn't really I don't I don't feel like there was a, a similar environment at least among the fans even after that round do you think that's a monkey off their back or is it still tough I Absolutely mean I think they is. are the most similar team this year to the Avs from last year in that in both the like overcoming uh, a monkey off their back having a a, a fleshed yeah. out depth yeah. to their lineup that they didn't have before uh, and kind of being under the gun with their core and their coach, in a way. I, I didn't really think Bednar was on the hot seat last year, but people did, you know. Yeah, uh, Keith actually is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think that that there's truth to that. If they can avoid uh, an upset from the Panthers, it, it's one of those. Anytime a team makes it past the second round, I'm like, they could really do it. Which yeah. is- because yeah. duh. Like, yeah, I know what you that's mean. That's the thing I said back in too. If they can, if they can beat, the, if they can win this round, I guess they could do it. But, the, fact uh, that, but the fact that one of the Panthers or Toronto is going to be in the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah. <laughs> Mind blown. All right, Jacob, give us our final bold prediction of the day. Uh, I say Edmonton takes two games in Vegas this week. Oh, oh both of them. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. I, like I, I don't know. I, I don't like that matchup for, for Vegas. I know we're not huge Edmonton fans here, but I just don't feel like they can keep up with Edmonton's pace. I, I like that. that pick, though. I like that pick. That's a good pick. 
Jackie, Jackie, can you do me a favor and give me one that'll that'll resolve this week? A bold prediction, because that one will be a couple weeks away. If Edmonton and um, well, okay, Carolina was my Stanley Cup pick. I believe I had them facing Vegas. Okay, so I think I'm still alive. But <laughs> yeah. um, I guess I guess I got it back. I guess my team now, which is Carolina, which I've always liked them, so I'm okay. cool with that. Um, let's say I'm not really sure how many games probably played three games. So I'll say they, I guess all three, they probably will take two out of three, but that's not very bold. So I'll say they'll take three. Wow. Only one of us can be right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, I guess, oh yeah, no, that is true. Cause yeah, even if the Rangers don't make it, I still would be wrong. <laughs> Carolina will take three. Take three. What? I'm confused. I'm. I'm yeah, lost. three. Win all three games. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. Win three games. Wow. They're the That's team I'm backing now, so I gotta, I gotta hype them up, right? I was gonna say, I think, I think I'll probably hop on the Kings bandwagon. I think it now at this point. I can. I don't think I can root for anybody out west now at this point. Yeah, they're just so injured, though. Like they don't have who's gonna score their goals at this point. It is very Aho. Aho is the only guy scoring. They have depth. They got a overtime winner from Paul Stastny. Paul Stastny, yeah. Paul Stastny. From from what a what a heady shot that was, though, huh? That was pretty smart. You could tell he did it on purpose. That was not an accident. I'm trying to remember. Did I hear it on the on the broadcast right that that was his second overtime goal? Yeah. So yeah, his other one was with us, game one, 2014. Yeah. That's that pretty cool. And getting back to Jacob's prediction of Edmonton winning both games uh, at Vegas, please. Because I still hate the Golden Knights more than I hate the Oilers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we swept yeah. the Oilers. Why would I hate them? Um, you know, I'd root for Vegas over Dallas or Edmonton. If it's Seattle, Vegas, that, that'd be a little weird and cool. That, that'd be an interesting mm-hmm. Western Conference. I'd have to revisit. But over Edmonton and then Dallas, yeah. I'm if it's another Vegas. Dallas, if it's another Dallas Vegas Western Conference final, I think I'm just gonna puke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I hate the stars, but I I do I like Pavelski and Suter were the guys when I was young. Watching mm-hmm. them at Wisconsin was incredible, so it's it's hard for me to cheer against them. But I I don't like the stars. Let me let me just set it straight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that was bold predictions. Those bold predictions every single week. Just trying to put our foot in our mouth as often as we can, pretty much around here. So. If you enjoy that segment, be, uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter and on all of our social platforms and give us your bold prediction. Maybe we'll talk about it on the show uh, next week. Um, I will let everybody know that in the future, now that the season is ended, we might be doing bi-weekly episodes, but we will be sure to inform you when we are dropping these. Just come and take a look every Monday at 3.30 still because that's probably more likely what we're going to end up doing Um I'm Adrian Hernandez. I'm here with Jacob, Evan, Ezra, and Jackie. This is the Mile High Hockey Lab brought to you by SB Nation. Uh, thank you so much for having us and for, you know, tuning in throughout the regular season and playoffs. It really means a lot to us. If you are as big a diehard as we are and you still haven't got your fix, even though you watched an entire regular season and your team be eliminated, head on over the website. We'll be talking about Colorado Avalanche still and what uh, is to be expected in the future. So signing off from this uh, season, I guess, and moving on to the next one, uh, thank you for listening, and you folks have a nice day. Mile High Hockey Lab. 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 Playoff Edition.
Dollar. They did it! They did it!